0: Hello and welcome to Sean White's solar and energy storage podcast. In this edition, we are going to cover the IFC, that's the International Fire Code, and energy storage systems with the world's famous Bill Brooks. He knows everything. In this podcast, we cover the requirements of the International Fire Code and energy storage systems and sizes of these energy storage systems in the International Fire Code. That's right, there's special size requirements as we will learn soon. We are primarily covering the 2018 IFC. The 2021 IFC has not come out yet as of this podcast. And even when it does come out, it doesn't mean it's gonna get adopted right away in your state. And so the different sizes of the energy storage systems that we're gonna talk about cover from larger than one and two family dwellings up to large utility scale systems. Can you get bigger than utility scale? Not that I know about but I'd be interested in your crazy comments. Did you know that ventilation is not required for valve-regulated lead acid batteries? That's right, ventilation is not required for valve-regulated lead acid batteries. And you know that now. And also, did you know that the International Fire Code does not apply when you are applying the IRC, that's the International Residential Code, and that's for one and two family dwellings? So the International Fire Code is not supposed to be implemented for one and two family dwellings. Look at all this learning that we can do. To have fun and learn more about solar and storage, go to solar, S-E-A-N, that's solarshawn.com. And now let's hear it from the solar and energy storage guru, Bill Brooks. Hit it, Bill. The
1: residential code R327 applies to one and two family dwellings, whereas the fire code applies to all other applications. The fire code basically says it only applies to stationary energy storage units above 20 kilowatt hours. So the fire code, there's essentially a gap, if you will. If you were to put in an 18 kilowatt hour system in anything other than a one and two family dwelling, it would be totally fine and there would be no restrictions on it. So the National Electrical Code would be the only restriction at that point. That's something to be aware of. So let's say you put in a power wall that's 13 kilowatt hours or some other type of battery system that was under 20 kilowatt hours, up to 20 kilowatt hours. It could be even lead acid. No stipulations whatsoever. And in fact, for lead acid and NICAD, unless you go up to 70 kilowatt hours. So these thresholds are, they're arbitrary, but they're a little bit above residential for sure in what applies. The fire code requires that individual units, instead of being 20 kilowatt hours, like the residential code says, they're required to be no greater than 50 kilowatt hours per unit. And 50 kilowatt hour units have to be uh, separated by three feet unless they have large scale fire testing to uh, back them up so large-scale fire testing would allow for pre-engineered systems up to 250 kilowatt hours per unit and then the separation of those 250 kilowatt hour units could be smaller than three feet if large-scale fire testing shows that they would not propagate fire from one group of 250 kilowatt hours to another 250 kilowatt hours so essentially you could do a one megawatt hour battery using four 250 kilowatt hour units
0: in a pretty small area and that's The IFC? That's the
1: International Fire Code.
0: And so what about utility scale farms? So utility scale farms, farms, if
1: if they're required to meet the IFC, those same stipulations would play. And so you could continue, okay, let's say you came up with a block that met these requirements for a one megawatt hour block. And let's just say that that was the size of a 20 foot container, Mm -hmm. okay? You could take however many 20 foot containers, three feet apart and line them up as far as the eye could see. Mm -hmm. and there would be no problem with that. Stationary battery systems in the 2018 IFC are in section 1206 and it covers these requirements. So let's just kind of briefly go through those. So if it were a sealed lead acid battery, like a valve regulated lead acid battery, you would not require any ventilation. If it was a flooded lead acid battery, then you would require some amount of ventilation.
0: So sealed lead acid batteries not requiring ventilation? Yeah, VRLA batteries. But if the valve opens, it can release the gas still?
1: The valve opens only when there's an abnormal condition, Mm -hmm. not when under normal conditions. So a valve-regulated lead-acid battery does not require ventilation. A flooded lead acid battery requires ventilation because it will off-gas even under normal charging.
0: But, I mean, that's what the valve's for, though, is to shoot hydrogen out of it.
1: Correct, but that is a relief valve that only happens when something is improperly charging it.
0: Where would I even find a source for telling me that? Valve-regulated lead acid does not need ventilation.
1: Well, for one, they're used all the time in like computer rooms and stuff like that. And there are no ventilation requirements added because of those things. So that would be one example that you could point to. Now lithium batteries of all types, now lithium ion being the most common, 20 kilowatt hours is the max. I don't know whether anyone's tried to build a lithium battery that's that large, but I'm sure it's physically possible on YouTube. (laughs) So, and flow batteries are still at 20 kilowatt hours, even though they probably should be at 70, Mm -hmm. something like that.
0: you don't know somebody's built one that large, I mean, there's plenty of energy storage systems that are over 20 kilowatt
1: hours. No, I'm talking about straight lithium batteries. Oh, like like lithium metal? Lithium metal batteries, which you can get for your flashlight.
0: There's probably none of those that are 9540, are there?
1: No, that are 9540. And just to understand, what they really meant was lithium ion in here. (laughs) Yeah. Because lithium batteries, straight lithium batteries, have numerous issues. And you wouldn't even want to get as large as 20 kilowatt hours with those. Um, Dendrites. Yeah. Yeah. So understanding how these two codes relate the fire code and the residential code is really important because a lot of folks say, well, I don't like what's in the residential code for one and two family dwellings. So I'm going to apply the fire code. You know, local jurisdiction might say that now they might say that, but that's not how the rules work. So again, The residential codes for one and two family dwellings the fire codes for all others with lithium ion capacities of greater than 20 kilowatt hours now we have had some fire marshals in california claim that the fire code applies to one and two family dwellings But the state actually came down and said, no, that's not true, an error on that. And so they backed off. And then these new regulations that are in the 2021 IRC will become effective in California in July of 2021. And since that's a very large energy storage market, we have to know about that.
0: Talking about like battery storage system thresholds. just say we're doing lithium-ion and it's mm-hmm. 20 kilowatt hours. Can you put more than 20 kilowatt hours on a building? Like you could have a whole bunch of energy storage systems?
1: That's a really good question, and that's not even talked about here. Because so, I mean, you do have some
0: buildings that need more than that. It could be server farms. could be buildings with carports on the roof. and
1: Yeah, so this is the floor. This is where the fire code starts to even being used. So what we're saying here is that The fire code isn't even brought up until you get to 20 kilowatt hours.
0: Oh, and then after 20 kilowatt hours, you use the fire code. They'll use the fire
1: code up to when we get to the hazardous materials end of the spectrum. Okay, But that's like 500 kilowatt hours inside a building. We'd have to look at the hazardous materials, and I think it's 500 kilowatt hours for lithium batteries, and there's no limit for lead acid. And what that's saying is that if you had a room that had 500 kilowatt hours of batteries in it, more than 500 kilowatt hours of batteries in it, you're gonna to have to classify that as an H2 hazardous location. And that makes sense. I mean, that's a lot of material. And so the H2 is probably gonna make it too expensive to even do that unless there's a real reason for it. And that's why my feeling is for large lithium ion batteries, the best place for them is in a container in the parking lot put them outside, away from the building, because most buildings don't have the physical room to put these things anyway. Not that they take up a ton of space, but they do take up room, and it would seem to me that it's better to take up a parking space in your parking lot for a fully contained unit that is gonna have no hazard to burn down your building, than to go inside your building and create a hazardous location and then have to apply all the hazardous location rules with halon systems and all kinds of things you might have to apply for fire suppression and ventilation for fires in an indoor space. And so it just doesn't make any sense to me personally. Mm-hmm. All right.
0: Thanks for listening to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. To find out more and fill up your brain, go to solar, S-E-A-N, that's solarshawn.com and fill her up.